This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. I'm Peter Schmidt. I'm a medical oncologist and work at Barts Hospital in London, United Kingdom. At ESMO 2019, we saw the first result of the Keynote 522 trial. This is, in my opinion, an important trial, as it is the first phase three trial of immune therapy in early triple negative breast cancer. We all know that triple negative breast cancer is a more aggressive subtype of breast cancer, often, more often affects young women. Until very recently, there was, uh, we didn't really have targeted therapies for triple negative breast cancer, which is fortunately now changing. And the standard treatment was chemotherapy. Now, patients with early triple negative breast cancer, we would routinely give chemotherapy before surgery, which is what we call neoadjuvant chemotherapy. And what we hope to see with this chemotherapy is a maximum shrinkage of the cancer. Because what we've learned is that in, in those patients where at the time of surgery there are no cancer cells left in the breast, those patients have a fantastic outlook and have a very low risk of disease recurrence over time. On the other hand, patients where we still find cancer at the time of surgery, even if we of course take that out, they stay have a slightly higher risk of recurrence and, and, and unfortunately with triple negative breast cancer often those recurrences happen over the first three to five years. So we're trying to achieve with, with, with pre-operative for neoadjuvant chemotherapy now is, is to increase those what we call PUF CR rates and, and, and to give sort of a, 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 the background is with conventional chemotherapy, anthracycline, toxanes, we have PUF CR rates of around around 40%. If you add in platinum, which we did in our trial as, as a chemotherapy, that probably goes up to 50, maybe 52%. And uh, what we try to see is if we add in immune therapy, which obviously has made a huge impact in, in, in advanced triple negative breast cancer, if we add this to neoadjuvant chemotherapy, can we further increase the PUF-CR rates? So the trial we did had 12 weeks of carboplatin paclitaxel chemotherapy in before surgery, followed by 12 weeks of AC chemotherapy again before surgery. Then women underwent surgery, and after surgery they carried on with with with, with pembrolizumab immune therapy or, or placebo for another six months, having already received pembrolizumab or immune therapy with chemotherapy before surgery. The trial has what we call two endpoints. So we, we assess whether the treatment works by looking at the PUF-CRs at the time of surgery. But of course, we also need to look at what we call event-free survival, which means the percentage of recurrences over time. And, 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 and that's the second way of telling us whether this treatment improves patients' outcomes. Now, what we saw here was the, the final results for PUF-CR. And we saw, in my opinion, as a, a, a meaningful, but it's definitely statistically significant improvement of, of the PUFCRs by 13.6%. And now 64, nearly 65% of patients have complete disappearance of the cancer at the end of the treatment before they even have surgery. We also see that this benefit seems to be independent of whether patients are PDR1 positive or PDR1 negative, which is an, an, an interesting finding we need to look more into. With very early follow-up, we only have 15 months of follow-up on average in this trial, and, 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 and that's very short for any form of atimum treatment where recurrences, if they unfortunately occur, happen over the next few years. But even after 15 months, we already see that a strong signal that patients who received immune therapy, to receive pembrolizumab, seem to have a better outcome. The estimated 
uh, 18 months recurrence-free or event-free survival is 91% for patients who received immunotherapy and 85% for patients without, which is uh, about a 37% risk reduction, but this is not yet significant because we need to wait a little bit longer. I, I just wanted to ask you about the PDL1 positive versus PDL1 negative. I saw the results and it looked like the PDL1 positive cancers did respond better to the Keytruda and the immune therapy. There was some response in negative, but if you could talk a little bit about that. So what is well established is if you only give chemotherapy that, that the PDL1 expression or the immune cell uh, infiltration in the tumor has an impact on how well a patient may respond to chemotherapy. So patients who have a lot of immune cells in their cancer have a better chance of responding to, to chemotherapy and that's what we see in this trial as well. But the interesting part is what does immune therapy on top of what we see with chemotherapy? And in both the PDL1 negative group as well as the PDL1 positive group we could increase the path CRA by a similar benefit when we added in pembrolizumab. And that suggests at least at this time point that patients have a similar benefit whether they are PDL1 positive or PDL1 negative. The one aspect we haven't discussed is obviously tolerability, and I think that's a key aspect, especially when we're in a curative setting, and this is what we hope to achieve with these treatments. Now, during the chemotherapy phase, the side effects are very much dominated by the side effects of chemotherapy. Because it, it is a pretty strong regimen. It's an intensive chemotherapy regimen, it, it, and, and the way I often describe this to patients is, it's an aggressive tumor, we use an aggressive chemotherapy regimen, and, and, and it, patients get through this treatment well, but it is an intensive, uh, it's an intensive treatment with, with, with substantial side effects, I think that is very clear. The key question for us is, does immune therapy on top of that chemotherapy make the experience, make the tolerability worse, and actually we see very little differences between the two groups before surgery. Now, after surgery, when patients receive immune therapy or placebo alone, again, we have, we have very few side effects, and, and there are only subtle differences between the two groups at this point in time. Now, if you look at specific side effects that could be down to immune therapy, they're relatively rare. The most common one is, is, is a change in the thyroid gland function, and often that's a, a, an underfunction of the thyroid gland, where patients then may need to take tablets, that's possibly uh, lifelong, but we can address that underfunction of the thyroid gland very well and that's something we have learned over years from many other trials with immune therapy. So what I would say at this time point is we obviously met the, the, the end point for this trial as we say. The trial showed what we would hope to see in terms of increasing the response to, to, to therapy which is a very big step forward. We also see, although it's very, very early days, we already see, and I'm personally very excited about this, we see a very encouraging result that this may lead to fewer recurrences and hopefully to a higher cure rate, which is obviously what we have to, what we want to, what we need to achieve in this setting. And the, but the price in terms of side effects seems to be acceptable at this point in time, if I may use that word. It's, the, the, the differences between the two groups, placebo and pembrolizumab, are are, are there, but they are relatively modest, and, 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 and what we've and similar to what we've seen, for example, in metastatic setting in the Impassion 130 trial. But we clearly need longer follow-up as well, both for safety reasons, because we need to, if we cure patients, we need to make sure that they are okay after three, five, and ten years in terms of side effects, and also to to hopefully prove that the risk recurrence in terms of recurrences is significant over time. Thank you. What would you say this means for patients right now? Like, say, I've just been diagnosed. 
is this going to be practice changing? Are we going to wait three to five years before we see this as a treatment? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the medical community reacts to these data and also how the FDA reacts to it and EMA. There's FDA and EMA, EMA is the European, uh, the European health authorities. There's clear guidance that, that if we see in triple negative breast cancer an increase in PATH-CR rates that this can be the basis for what we call accelerated approval. And accelerated approval is obviously what we hope to see, to have access to these treatments as early as possible for, for, for patients. From my perspective, what it means is it's a huge amount of hope. Uh, we, 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 we're clearly improving the treatments in early triple negative breast cancer. And it, it clearly seems to me that we are improving outcomes and cure rates. And that gives me a lot of hope. Now are we there that we can say we cure absolutely everyone? Unfortunately not. And, and, and we, we have seen and we will still see recurrences there. But we are also learning a lot from this study how we possibly improve the treatments even further going forward. But having made this, in my opinion, big leap, going from chemotherapy to chemotherapy and immune therapy, is a big step forward. Now we need to see how the medical community will, in, will look at the data with the short follow-up, how the regulators will look at it. The FDA approval, obviously, is, is, is absolutely critical in this point in time. But I would be very hopeful and optimistic that we see this type of treatment that we see immune therapy introduced into routine care of early triple negative breast cancer in the in the probably not too distant future. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much. Yes.